Hello, book lovers. You're listening to Both Sides Book Club with Katie and Debbie Allen. Every two weeks we get together and chat about a different book. We can't promise you that we will always agree, but then there are at least two sides to every story. Why don't you read with us and join in the conversation? Let's go. Hello and welcome to Both Sides Book Club. I'm Debbie. And I'm Katie. And today we are talking about I Give My Marriage a Year by Holly Wainwright. So this is our second book for October. And I feel like this book's kind of split the crowd a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. The story is told from two perspectives of a, marriage couple, a married couple, uh, Lou and Josh. Mm-hmm. And we've found that many of you are divided between being on Josh's side or Lou's side. So basically, Lou and Josh haven't been hunky-dory in their Not relationship for, quite a while. for a while. Um, just going through the everyday mechanics of their relationship with children and school. They've been and- together for 14 years and things are gone a little bit stale. Yeah. So Lou's decided that she needs to do something about it because she's super unhappy. So she decides to give her marriage a year. So each month she gives herself a new task, um, things to do to improve their marriage. Um, She tells Josh about her plan about halfway through the year and the two Mm. of them fight it out together and, um, you know, work through... Or try to work through through some, some things that are going on in their marriage. So it's a really great book for just talking about things that are often unsaid in marriage and in Mm. relationships Um, and how, you know, things can just get stale really quickly without really solid communication as the fundamentals of a relationship. Yeah. So to unpack this further, we are really excited because we have Holly Wainwright, who's the author of this book, um, to come on the episode and talk to us. She's also the content creator for Mamma Mia. So we are really excited to speak to her. Yeah. Um, and unpack this a little bit more. So we'll speak to her just now. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi, Holly. I'm good. Welcome Can to the book club. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Sorry, you caught us in a minute of like our screen and frozen. I just frozen and it was oh. the most grotesque picture of my face. Going. <laughs> I, I lost you for a moment there. I was like, oh, where are they? And then yeah. we're back. We're here. I'm sorry that I haven't got a prettier background for you, but I am at the Mamma Mia office and this is the only quiet spot I could find. So we are, we've got a very beige backdrop. No, no, that's perfect. Thank you. So, first of all, congratulations on your book. It's fabulous. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that you think so. Yeah, we loved it. And so did so many of our readers too, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Loads of our readers had already actually purchased your book before we'd even announced that we were going to be reading it. Oh, good. So Mm. that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I mean, the timing of this book has been, um, you know, really uh, quite spectacular hasn't it really in that, I mean obviously you know it, it, it is your it is your third novel and we're well aware that you must have been writing it quite some quite some time ago um because the whole press process takes months and months and months if not years but um you know how apt is it for 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 2020 when you know so many 
so many people um have, and their relationships uh, yeah, under exactly. microscopes yeah but um yeah it's quite it's quite fortuitous in a way is isn't it not not for the world <laughs> but for me yes yeah yes. totally i know it's interesting because obviously i didn't consider that when i was writing it of yeah. course like i i was kind of inspired to write it just because this was what was happening a lot around me and with a lot of women that i know and work well you know via my work at mama mia as well yeah and so the fact that it's come out this year and everybody is questioning their relationship yeah. is really, um, is really, yeah, I think it's, as I say, fortuitous for me, but not the world. And it's also really strange because when I was finishing the book, we were in the middle of the, of the worst bushfires yeah. Australia's seen yeah. in general, in decades. And that seemed like the thing that you had, that couldn't be ignored and had to be spoken about, which is why I did end up including it in the book. Yeah. But, um, God, that seems like a million years ago. Doesn't Not it? to minimise that. You know? Doesn't it? <laughs> it seems yes. like a million years ago. Yeah. Like we're in a very different world now. Yeah. Very much so. Absolutely. Mm. Where did the characters of Lou and Josh come from? So I think that they are, I mean, I... I was inspired to write it, as I say, partly because of the sort of the world that I am in myself, which yeah. is I have two small kids, I have yeah. a partner. My social circle is very much at the at the moment a lot of women, well, a lot of couples with kids, um, and I see this reality all around me. And then also I work at Mamma Mia, as I'm sure you know, and yeah. all day every day I listen to women's stories, whether it's through podcasts or through our own editorial team or through our submissions inbox. Yeah. And this kind of idea that, I mean, obviously relationships have always been difficult, but now I feel that women have more choice than ever before and I see around me a lot of women of of my age or, or around my age, a bit younger than me possibly, who are like, what's the next part of my life going to look like? I don't want to settle for anything ordinary. I mean, how many women do we know um, in their 40s or 50s who are studying something new, taking yeah. up a new passion, starting a business? You know, like it's there's no feeling anymore, I don't think, among women that, you know, you get to a certain age and suddenly it's like over. You know, I'm just going to wear my slippers and I'm just going to. So, so I think that. Um, that's why mom yeah, and I, I were so excited to. Sorry to interrupt, but that's why mom and I were so excited yeah. to speak to you because it's like just from a different generational point of view as well. Yeah. I felt like the characters had really strung a call with both of us in different situations. So I'm obviously. Yeah, I'd love I mean, to hear I mean, about little, that. I mean, a little, a little bit of personal background about, um, about me. I actually left my husband when I was in my forties. So exactly. I actually, I actually did get divorced, um, when I was in my early forties and had two and had two young children. Mm. So, you know, so the whole thing that, that Lou particularly is going, going through, I mean, was, it was incredibly, um, personal for, mm. for for me that kind of process. thing or a bad thing like did that make you like the book or not like the book no, no, more? No, like no, how no, was, no, it, was no. it a little bit too close to home at times no, or no, no not no not at all but it did it really did resonate um mm. um and and I and I thought it was wonderful um to be able to sort of look at look at the process, if you like, with with kind of like you know almost twenty years distance yes. now, um, and you know, and maybe reflect. Well, 
Could I have done that? Was I thinking that at that time? Like, what was informing my choices at the time? Because obviously, if you're in that situation, um, you believe you're fully informed, but 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 yeah. but, but, but you're you know, in it, so you but, can't but, be. But you're in it, so you can't be. Yeah. You can't be objective. And then about like, it. And then likewise, mm. obviously, experiencing my mum and my my dad go through a divorce as a young kid. Well, I wasn't. I was like a, you're about 10. 10, mm. 11. So like, mm. I still have very very. Um, clear memories or you know mm. probably with a warped mm. child's perspective but quite clear memories of them going through that mm. and now also I've been in a long-term um, relationship for eight years now um so it, it was really interesting seeing this um talking about it with mum behind the scenes of this like generational what you're kind of saying before of how often it is the story of you know the 40 year old or whatever picking up all these sorts of things but seeing the generational shift now I think that younger women are actually doing that earlier as well in yeah. early relationship going hang on a second I'm losing my sense of identity here so yeah, that's why we're this inter- what I want yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. why we're interested where, where these characters came from for you well so yeah they very much came from my life and my work and then in terms of them specifically as Lou and Josh I mean I guess the story the theme came from that um, and then the, the character specifically is I knew that I wanted Lou to be, I wanted them, it, I wanted them both to be relatable, obviously. Yeah. Um, flawed in different ways. Mm. I think it's really the main thing I wanted to achieve with the book was that there was not a very clear path of blame, if yes. you like, because in my, I mean, obviously there are exceptions to this, but in my experience, when you talk to different people about a relationship breakdown, mm. of course you get two different stories mm. and they're both true often. Yeah. You know, they're, they're often both true because the way that you see things and experience things, of course, is very subjective. Mm. And so I, I wanted to avoid cliches of, you know, the guy was the necessarily the bad guy or that he was a doofus or yeah. whatever. I kind of wanted him to be quite a good man. Um I wanted Lou to be believable and flawed and frustrated. I know a lot of women are, you know, yeah. flawed and frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Gosh, tell me and someone then, who's not. <laughs> exactly. I would love to meet them and ask them how. <laughs> exactly. They're probably um, on value or something. <laughs> you just don't know. You just can't no. see it. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, and I wanted Lou to have a career that she loved, but it was quite far from my career. And, and I know a lot of teachers and, and talk to teachers you're, all the you're, time. You're, so you're, I, your mum's a teacher, yeah. isn't she? Or your mum was a teacher? My mum is a teacher. Yeah. So she um, so she was a teacher when I was growing up and then she went into kind of management, a management level at school when I right. was older. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of respect for teachers. Yeah. My a lot of respect. Too. But, mm. yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, I was very happy for Lou to have that noble profession. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I think – and then they just came out of my head from there. I mean, it's really funny. When you talk about process for writers, mm. a lot of it, it's just I can't really explain it. You know, it just kind of comes in a, in a way. Like, it doesn't just come, like, in an easy way. It's very hard. It's, yeah. There's a lot of soul-searching and angst in that. But they just kind of become – as you work with them more, they become really living and breathing people. And to me, they are really living and breathing people. I quite miss them now. Do, do you – some of some, some of the authors that we've um, that we've spoken to this year, um, you know, have said that once they've finished writing, you know, once basically that final edit has been handed in, then that's it, the characters are gone. 
that they're on to the next thing. So it's interesting that that, um, that. No, I think maybe because they're quite close to home, I feel like I see things and I'm like, oh, Lou would li- wouldn't like that. Or, <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, would think that was great. Or like, I don't know. I, you do kind of miss them um, in a way because they become very real to you during mm. that time. And then, I mean, obviously I'm about to start another book and so then I'll be immersed yeah. in that. But uh, but at the moment, and obviously talking about, I give my marriage a year a lot, I am still quite close to them and they do feel like people I know and you think, well, what would they be? I don't think they'd be doing so well in lockdown. I have to say. No, <laughs> probably no, probably not. We were actually just, we were actually just saying yeah. that, that earlier and and um, a little well, bit. Not, not specifically not, not about specific, lockdown. Not, not specifically about lockdown but um um we will a little bit a little bit later discuss the discuss the ending um but for now but for now we're not but but later but 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 for now we won't we won't tell everyone that hasn't read it how you know what how it ends up but we were saying that regardless of how how it did end or does end that there is obviously so much more Aww. that this you know that it's have a long not way to go that it's not going to be immediately happy ever yeah. after and roses so so maybe think, so maybe there is a sequel there <laughs> well I don't know if there's a sequel but I do think that I think that's an important point to make and it's why the book ends the way it does really yeah. with the things Lou says is that you can't um I think that, you know, whenever we tell stories, love stories in popular culture, we like to think there's a neat ending. Weddings are often portrayed as the neat ending, you know, like, oh, and then they got married. Um, Yeah, Prince Charming. As anyone who's been in a long-term relationship, both of you would know, like it's, you choose it every day, you know, and every, and some days are harder than others. Some years are harder than Mm. others. Like I think, so I think you're right. It's not an ending necessarily, but no, I don't think there'll be a sequel. Not, not at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's the thing that I really go back, going back to sort of where these characters came from. I really did love how the characters were messy and flawed in their own way. And they just, they seemed they seemed re- they were relatable because that is how I believe we all are, um, and you sh- showed this human side of each, like especially of Josh. What you were saying before about you didn't want to depict it so like typically masculine. I think it's really I think it was really empowering to hear Josh's perspective with with that in mind. Um, so when you were writing the two different perspectives. Um, can you tell us a little bit why you weaved in um, sort of the warp of the timeline too, why it was important to bring in some of the childless childless um, stories in their lives? I really wanted to, and I know that this has been done before, probably plenty of times, but I think it's just a really fundamental human truth about relationships is that, you know, we all change. If you're going to live with anybody for 10 years, t- six years, 10 years, yeah. 20 years, whatever, you're, during that time you're going to change and so are they. And your, you know, your needs and wants are often going to change too. And I, I actually believe there's a lot of luck in whether or not you change together. Yes. Like I think that that can sometimes yes. just be about yeah. Yeah. things beyond your control. But I really wanted to explore that idea of what, Lou and Josh were like before all this sort of shit descended on them for one of a a more elegant term and explore that beginning and what they wanted and what their hopes were at that time and um you know 
I, I, and I really enjoyed writing those parts. I have to say, like, the early chapters of them getting mm. together were, were really fun to write before everything starts getting a bit more complicated. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, but I think, you know, that juxtaposition worked so beautifully, I think, you know, as, as a foil to all of the, the, the crap that they're going, that they, that they were going through, you know. And, it, and re- it served as a testimony to, I think, so many other relationships. I mean, certainly when Jay and I have a fight, I look back and I go, oh, like the good old days when we used to just be at uni and do this, this and this, like it, it, but it, but if we didn't have these experiences, we wouldn't have grown. Exactly. So it's like it's where you begin and it's how you sort of bond and form. Yeah. But yeah. then where do you where do you take it, you know? And it and also it's just a human truth that relationships shift and in different ways. And I think that how you handle that is is one of the most interesting parts. So I wanted to do that. And it was quite obviously complicated keeping track of the timelines. I'm not the most organized person, but I am <laughs> Did but you I, have post-its or something? I do, I do do post-its. I do. I have post-it notes on my bedroom wall and I move them around. And um I but yeah, I thought it was really important for that just to be able to see who they were and where they came from before it all went pear-shaped. It's funny that you say pear-shaped and shit hit the fan, but when I read it, it didn't there wasn't such a big event that it was just lots and lots of different circumstances of poor communication between the two of them and en- enabling each other to not communicate properly that that's yeah. how it it unraveled and I can to- I totally empathized with that because um as sort of um we like to make things personal at both sides book yeah. club and talk about our own experiences as well but even um I don't know with my partner and I we I had been with him since I was 18 and I felt so much of my personality was wrapped up with you know, coming of age and being an adult and whatever was so wrapped up in my experiences with him. And you work together. And we work together too. So it was like a where we've got That's a very a we've got a very interesting relationship. It's amazing, <laughs> but it, it definitely was a lot. And I remember how old was I? It must have been twenty about twenty three. Twenty three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um I just kind of had this like not a breakdown, but a, a realization I was like, man, like who am I without him? I need to re-find myself. I need to, like, you know, figure out, disassociate, disattach from him. Well, yeah. And so I went and did the trip to London by myself for about a month. And that was amazing because I was like, man, I'm funny. I can be flirty. I can be yeah, right. sad. I can do all these things without him. And and that's what I felt like, in a way, I, I got from Lou and, and um, Josh's relationship is that it's, Lots of lots of small, not communicating properly and letting yourself lose identity in each other, like yeah. creating an identity together, not separately, which is how things can all of a sudden little things turn into these like big things that shouldn't be big things. Was that what you were thinking yeah. when you were writing it? I also think that when the big things do happen, which they inevitably do, um, you know, whether whether it is a decision about where to live I mean, in Lou and Josh's case, a decision about where to live or whether it's money or whether it's um, babies or lack thereof or whether it's whether to get married or whether it's, you know, a death in the family. When the big things come, which they do, um, how you handle the little things and the communication will kind of define how you handle those big things. And I think the thing for Lou and Josh is that 
who they it's like the deal that you make of who we are as a couple in their younger days when they're like we want we want an, an unusual life and we don't want to be like everybody yeah. else and we want to be like this and that and then that begins to shift as you change and it's like are you both going to veer off in that direction or just one of you or yeah. so yeah I think you're right that there are a lot of little things that happen that then un, like that then undermine when the big things happen I think that that's one of the I mean I, I, I think exactly I mean it's an I, you know I mean again sort of like speaking from experience you know it's not it's it's very rarely I think a, a huge catastrophic mm. thing you know even I think in in some ways you know lose lose affair which you know let's just which is a fairly which is a pretty that's pretty, a pretty early as, spoiler. As I, don't pretty, feel like, I feel like that happened early on. That's not a spoiler. That, that's not a spoiler. But I mean, you know, obviously oh. that's a that you know, for for that's a that's that's a huge thing. But it is a big thing. Um but the reason for that, I think, was, you know, this gradual process of erosion. Um, so, um, you know, her reason for doing that was not because she was, you know, overwhelmed by this um um this guy who swept her off her feet, you know, no. it, was, it was it was a symptom. And also, she, yeah, than, she was, she was angry and, the, and yeah. the resentment up. And I like I very much wanted. Yes, that is a big thing. Like it was a it's a very big thing. Yeah. And it's revealed early on in the book. And then I want you hopefully to think, well, why is she doing that? Exactly. And not necessarily yeah. feel like it was justified. I mean, I think one of you, um, you said in the notes that we you sent me about a lot of people have a lot of problems with Lou. And yes, <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And I can see why. Um, and I think often that does depend a little bit on your own experience with um, infidelity and relationships mm. in different ways. But I, I think it's really interesting to look at the fact that it's not always like that women women are flawed as well you know women are make decisions that are, are stupid sometimes yeah. in anger they act out in different ways just like guys do and yeah. they and they're driven sometimes by their less they're less um what's the word they're kind of less perfect uh, yes. selves yeah. and I think that I, I really wanted to explain why Lou did that but I'm not necessarily asking the reader to forgive her for that that's no. up to you you know mm. I mean as as the book reveals like Josh had forgiven her in a way but in a, he also couldn't face it you know and I know a lot of men yeah. like that I know a lot of men well and women actually but men more so who they they can sort of compartmentalize and pretend it's not happening going okay that's happened I don't want to know about it we're not going to talk about it we're not we're just going to completely pretend that hasn't happened <laughs> yeah and yes I know too in, many of those yeah. without, without yeah. actually really th- sorry sorry to, to interrupt you there mid, mid flow Holly but 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 yeah I mean I think like particularly with men you say the compartmentalizing you know I, I forgive you but not actually thinking thinking it through as to well why did you do that is it because there's a problem with me um and then also it's like I forgive you but he hasn't really forgiven her because he doesn't really know you know and so I think Mm. that that's an interesting idea and some of us are like that where you're like I'd rather not know the details let's just pretend it didn't happen but you can't hide from it forever and obviously at the end he does find out more of the details and it's devastating and I think I'm not asking anyone to think that Lou is entirely justified or that that her the experiences were were fair, but I just think that life is messy and people make all kinds of decisions that they shouldn't, you know. Yeah. But 
you know. Yes, and I think it goes. Back, I think it goes back to what you were saying before as well when you're talking about that the, there is two sides to the story as well. I mean, as saying that got me through my parents' divorce was like a heart doesn't just break one way; it breaks however many ways that you have a family so for us the heart broke four ways we all had our own individual stuff that we all kind of understood what each other were going through but not really and I think like that's what you see in Lou as well is like you exactly what you're saying you, you can't ask the reader to forgive her for doing that but I think it teaches you that in a way you've, you've got to have empathy that a heart breaks in different ways and different people have different ways of dealing with that and it's messy. It's not like she it was messy. conscious of going, okay, I'm going to have an affair to do this, this and this. It's like, no, it was spontaneous and that's what she needed at that time to get through the next level of processing and mm. I think that's what you see. So I can completely understand why other readers have found that difficult to 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 read or annoyed that she did that or lack of empathy with her Mm. and I don't know whether or not it's because of the experiences that I like I've experienced in my life but Mm. it's not that she was justified but I can understand how her headspace is so unclear took her there and she's trying to like map some sort of level of clarity with this like list of each month this is what I'm going to do but it's not that straightforward no. Also, I think as a reader, I mean, I enjoy reading about people. I enjoyed, I enjoy having my values challenged a certain mm. amount um, by characters because mm. I don't think, I think we all know now, don't we, that <clears throat> nobody is all good or all bad all or bad, all yeah. perfect or all not. And um, I think that for me, I enjoy reading about people who I might like in some ways, but in other ways I'm like, oh. So I think... Um, I don't think you have to like Lou. I think you just, or necessarily, I think you can like Lou without liking that. Mm, and yes. I also would really love to ask readers to question how they'd feel if it was the other way around. Yeah. Because yes. I wonder if they'd say, oh, well, he just, you know, it was an affair. Like, get I over like it. You know, so and they, they might find it easier to forgive yes. him than they do her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think that, um, I think that the, the, those people, you know, I've kind of picked up again from from um, having read, you know, um, quite a lot of, of reviews on Goodreads or other things that people have commented on on the book. You know, there's this whole team Josh thing happening. Yeah, I know. You know, oh, he's so lovable and and um, mm. you know uh, he's so good and yes, okay, you know maybe he doesn't pick up around the house as much as much as he should, but you know, but but really very much forgiving forgiving of him um but I, anyway yeah, they not of Lou but I wasn't I think that's right I wasn't mm. on team either of them because I just felt like like that's so so like what you did with telling Josh from a real like a real perspective you made him really human you you didn't make him like too overtly blokey and I feel like you know like Often I can blame my partner for being too blokey and like, oh, well, you're not even, you don't even, like, do you even feel anything? And, like, of course he does. Like, of course he's, like, upset or hurting and whatever. And that's what I think you showed Josh. Whereas I think so often we just forget that, I mean, this, I'm making this a very blanket statement. It's probably (laughs) not true for every situation. But so often we can forget that, like, you know, everybody does have feelings and what, 
And I think that's why when you read Josh, you're like, oh, he's so sensitive. I'm like, well, so is probably your husband. And so is probably your best friend. Yeah, I think I really wanted to. I mean, I don't, obviously, this is a kind of quite uh, heterosexual relationship cliche. But it is a heterosexual yeah. relationship cliche that men are not as emotionally intelligent. But I question whether that's true or whether they're just not good at expressing it, you know. And I wanted, I mean, Josh isn't particularly good at expressing it. He has all his own baggage, like we all do, from his family and his his life and thwarted ambition and all of those things. But he loves his wife and he loves his kids. And that's a lot of guys, you know, that's a lot of guys. And I wanted deliberately to write him as a likeable character who Mm. does some questionable things like and so it is interesting this team Josh thing because yeah yeah, he's great like I like him too that's why I wrote him that way and you know I think that we should give um the intelligence to women that they're not going to marry you know unlovable idiots if they can possibly avoid it the book book wouldn't have worked if you know if Josh hadn't been hadn't been essentially likable um, yeah, okay. but I think it's funny. One one commenter uh, said that they weren't Team Ju- Josh or Team Lou; they were Team Family, and I think that that's interesting too. I mean, that takes a certain judgment on on whether or not families should stay together in these situations. Mm-hmm. But I think that that was kind of, uh, you know, they were. One of the other points I wanted to make is that relationships involve many more people than just the two who are in them. Like yes. whether, as you were just saying about yeah. their heart breaking in different ways. Yeah. Every decision about a relationship, once you've been together all that time, includes mum and dad and the kids and the friends and the work and all that. Like, it's very complicated, as you well know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There was um, one thing I really, really wanted to talk to you about because um, maybe, yeah, maybe because of my own experience, but I I do think that it is a common phenomenon um with women that that you know they in, I this, mean, in this sort of relationship in this I feel like of, we've been throwing lots of blankets to well yeah I mean of course of course so yeah so forgive me if we're um yeah but that's general, what the story is about, general, Sorry, general, yeah. that's general, about yeah. okay generalizing yeah. is that yeah you know everything gets or Lou feels that everything gets dumped on her. Mm. So, yeah. you know, responsibility for the kids, for the cooking, the for, for organising, the Vegemite toast, Christmas, you know, mm. buying the presents, all, all of, all of those, all of those things. Um, and then she, you know, and then, and then she resents that. She has this really, really deep resentment of it. Um, and, and you have to say that I have been guilty of, um, doing that myself and, once or twice. You and everybody in the world. Well, yeah. well, it, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, but what kind of like really struck me in the way you wrote this is that, um, you know, she, she, we've talked about the communication, but she's really disempowering Josh yes. because she yes. won't let him do, you know, yes. because she says, you know, it's that, it's that old chestnut, isn't it? Oh, I might as well do it myself it's because it's easier than having yes. to tell you how to do it. Why yeah. can't you just or, know? Or, Why or, can't you just know that it needs doing? Or I think there was mm. that quote later in the book that he's always 10% off, but instead of that being a critique, that maybe it's acceptance that he does things 10% differently. Well, I it's interesting that you should pick that up because um obviously it's a bit of a passion area of mine is yeah. the division of domestic labor because yeah. I do genuinely think as a feminist which I am I do genuinely think that 
women are never going to be able to really have equality in whatever way while no. heterosexual relationships are so imbalanced at home, right? Mm. Like there's just no way. You've yeah. got to have – so you've got to hand this shit over as much as you can, right? <laughs> I think. Yeah. And that's not to victim blame. That's not to say that it's all women's fault for not doing it. But society and everything in our lives tells us that it's really valuable that we know how to do, we know how to cut up the Vegemite toast and we know yeah. what goes in the baby bag and then we know how the house should be. And then we know, and then we have to impart this wisdom as the teacher to the pupil. And I would like to see that change generationally, definitely. Mm. But one of the things I wanted to do in this story was it's not that Josh is a completely lazy slob. It's not that he literally has never packed a school bag or cooked a lunch or made Lou a cup of tea or tidied the house. Like he's not that. He Mm. thinks in his head that he's a pretty good dad because he does look after the kids and he does take them to school and, well, he does pick up and she does drop. Like he thinks that things are quite even, but that's because he has no idea of the mental load that Lou is carrying. And this is such a common story in so many relationships, especially when children are involved, but not only when children are involved, where the guy's like, well, what are you complaining about? Or one half of the couple is like, what are you complaining about? I do this, this and this. And the other half of the couple is saying, yeah, but what about all of the things that I'm constantly keeping in my head and asking you to do? So I really wanted to illustrate that and illustrate Josh having something of an epiphany about it um, towards the end. But I'm sure that, you know, if we imagine what happens on the next day and the next day and the next day after the book's ending, um, I'm sure it's not a solved issue because it takes a long time to work that stuff out. But I very much am in the camp of, I work with a lot of young women and I always say to them when they're moving in with their partners or when they're having babies, it's like if you behave as if this is your domain and you're letting them in, then it's always going to be on your shoulders. It's always going to be. It's always going to be on your shoulders. Yeah. You've got to take it on that it's a dual endeavour from the beginning. Mm, And with kids in particular, that's very difficult for obvious biological Mm. reasons. Um, but I think that it's crucial so I kind of I did really want to explore that and I also really wanted to explore how that shifts in relationships when you have kids because yes Lou and Josh were very equal at the beginning it's not like when she it's not like she was always making his dinner and and then but as she says in the book as as one of her chapters expresses in the book suddenly she was the one at home so it's like of course she does the washing because it would seem a bit churlish to not do the washing but then suddenly the washing just becomes her responsibility yeah Yeah. and it's and it's a creep that happens over time and all of a sudden you know you make like when when you're first together with somebody and you make them a cup of tea or a dinner or a drink they're like thank you that's so nice of you for doing that and then it just becomes the assumed thing that you're doing that and thank you isn't there anymore and the appreciation isn't there anymore and how many women do we know um who it's not about there's a I think there's a quite a famous viral post that's like it's not about the dirty dishes in the sink it's about what that says about my role and what you yeah how you value totally value you know so I really I did really want to explore that and hopefully and I I think um kind of like the whole generational thing is um also struck me with that because um um, you, well, you know, we, we talk about about this a lot because a lot of my friends have children, and I've we've seen this a lot in the home with in between friends and being at dinner parties and all this sort of stuff. So I mm. talk about it a lot with mum. Yeah, but I mean, um, but sort of my like I my generation. I'm obviously you know I'm I'm somewhat older than you. I'm considerably older than older than Katie. Um, 
but you know it so I was a child of the 60s so um you know my role model from my mother was that you know our, our role was that was was to keep your husband happy. homemaker homemaker yeah. to to even though my mum actually went out went out to work um it was still our role and and our role also as female children my sister and, and I to make sure mm. that everything was just tickety boo in the house um and that and, and do all to that. make like, that's to a make lot the to man, undo to make the man happy and i think certainly mm. i went into um I went in, in into my marriage. I think you know, with that so firmly ingrained mm. that that you know that was my role, just to kind of like mm. shut up and 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 get on with it um, so, until so, until you didn't until I didn't exactly <laughs> until I didn't until I spat the dummy and I didn't um, yeah. um, and um, so I, so I do you know like seeing seeing younger women and their relationships and also my relationship I'm you know I'm in another long-term relationship which is far um you know um far better (laughs) shall we say (laughs) then um you know you said that that distribution and and it's setting out those expectations from day one isn't it yeah I think so some of my I had some really really great advice from one of my close friends who's got two kids and she they have a very very um Often people look at their relationship and comment about how amazing their dynamic is. And she said, the best thing that I've, my partner and I ever did was before we had kids, we both sat down and we told each other what the level of expectation is that we're going to have on each other. And she said, so when it came to it, when we were slept deprived or sleep deprived or we were going through the motions, he knew the expectations that I had on him and I knew the expectations that he had on me. And that meant that you know, stuff still got done. Smart woman. Smart woman indeed. They say, I don't know whose quote it is, but they say that um, how much a woman, uh, one of the most important career decisions a woman can make is is the choice of her partner because it will, I mean, not that career is everything, but it will define how much you can or can't do, define Mm -hmm. how happy or not you are in doing it um, and all of those things if you have, um, if you're with somebody who is always going to support those mm. choices and sharing it equally as much as possible. So mm. smart friend you have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so actually, we, the, this wasn't the, wasn't one of the questions that that that, that we topics we put down, but um, that was a really good segue talking about friends. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Gretchen. Um, oh yeah. Uh, uh, one of our recent books um, was was Kokomo by Victoria Hannon, and mm-hmm. um, in there, um, the the main character has an amazing supportive supportive friend, um, and I think we're sort of seeing this uh, this a lot in um, in literature at the moment. Is you know, is the importance um, of having that strong friendship base that they're just as you know, friends are just as important as any family member. Um, was that yes. your intention with, with Gretchen? Very much. I wanted to give, I mean, obviously as a writer, friends play an important part because they can be they can be another voice and they can also be another perspective and they allow the uh, storytelling techniques that you kind of need them for in a way. However, I was also really passionate about um 
portraying a really positive, solid female friendship because I know not everybody has them and, and sometimes when we talk about the importance of female friendships, some people will say, oh, you know, well, I, I don't have that kind of friendship and I know that that's true, but I think that female friendships are absolutely the bedrock of, of so much of how happy your life will be or not. Not necessarily female friendships, actually, just solid friendships. Friendship. I mean, I mean it can, you know, it can we, equally yeah, we put so much importance. Yeah, yeah we, we put so much importance on romantic relationships. And of course, they are very important. But your friend, you know, they say that your key to happiness is the quality of your relationships, ultimately. And I think that friends are so crucial in that. And mm. I do have, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have quite a, like a little gaggle of very good female friends, but I have my closest friend I've known since school. She lives back in England, unfortunately, mm. so I don't see her all the time, but we're still, you know, she still probably knows me better than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I think that those kind of relationships are crucial. And I wanted to play that kind of dynamic about how, because when you have really good friends and then you get into a relationship, the friends come with, you know what yeah. I mean? You have to. Um, yeah. So Josh knows that Gretchen is, al is almost as important as he in, in mm. Lou's life. He also knows that Gretchen's always the one who's really going to know what's going on. So, you know, there's a couple of times when he asks her. Yeah. And obviously she, as a loyal friend, is not going to necessarily tell but she loves Josh too right because she's known him yeah. for years and yeah. she's been there through all of this and I think that it's uh, an interesting dynamic um I but I, I really wanted to paint this really supportive positive friendship but I, also one where Gretchen does call Lou out sometimes yeah, exactly. that's, that what I was, that's what I was going to say I mean I you know I love I, I love that I, again um obviously you you will know you will know the quote you know you know the book inside out you wrote it um but um you know that if um when she says to lou um you know if you if you if you if you murdered if you cut off josh's if head, you cut yeah. off josh's head yeah. then of course i'd support you but it would still be i'd still tell you it was murder um, yeah, exactly. which I think is so you know is so important that you do it have friends like who can just you kind of go hang on a minute Look at yeah, a good a good friend will support you, but will also tell you when you're wrong. You know, like and I and it doesn't mean they're going to withdraw support necessarily, but it's like you do know that you're being wrong about this. Now, it's, that's not yeah. easy to do, especially not for depending on your personality and all those things. It's not easy to do, but I think that really good friends can do that mm. and move on. You know, mm -hmm. so I wanted Lou to have a friend like that, um, and I really liked Gretchen. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed I writing too. her. I did too, very yeah. much. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's good value. Mm. So, Holly, before we go any further, I'm just going to quickly interrupt our episode. Um, just for any of you that are listening, we're about to enter a spoiler zone. So yes. if any of you don't want to know what happens at the end of the book or haven't read the book, I would suggest putting this on mute or paying attention to something else for a... Go make a cup of tea. ...brief moment yes. coming back to us soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so back to you, Holly. Um, did you know how the book was going to end before you wrote it? No, I didn't know. So I told my publisher that I knew. Um, I may have told this story before, but I, I told I told my publisher that I knew. She said, do you know what happens in the end? I'm like, yes, I definitely do, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> I, but the thing is, is I, what I very much wanted to happen is I wanted it to be okay either way. So yeah. I didn't want there necessarily to be um, – 
I didn't want it to necessarily be if, if they had chosen not to have stayed together, that would have been the right thing for them to do. You know, I'm yeah. not like some kind of 1950s Pollyanna who's like, well, we have to keep the children, you have to keep the family Let together. Like if it's, not, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. if it's not the right decision, it's yes. not the right decision. So I wanted it to be okay either way. But I have to also say that as I was writing this, and it was only the very beginning of this weird year we're in, I began to think we have to have a happy ending. Like I just felt like we really did need that. And I had also become very attached to them. (laughs) 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 I wanted wanted them to stay together. Um, And so I, it became clear to me. And then obviously when I realized what I was, what I was going to, how I was going to finish the book, I went back and made sure that it made sense, you know, like, because, the problem with writing a book that has that, you know, a lot of it depends on the ending, what's going to happen, mm. is what's going to happen has to be convincing either way. You don't want it to be massively predictable, so everybody saw it coming a mile no. off, but, but it has to be convincing because if you don't know and then suddenly it comes out of nowhere, you're going to be like, oh, I didn't really, you know. I didn't really see um, that. Mm. So, uh, so, okay, so I so wanted again, there to be suspense. Yeah. So again, I'm going to interrupt you there because I haven't haven't told you this. So I read I read the book um, two or three two or three months ago. Um, you know, I had I had a, a copy from the publisher, which was fantastic. So it was a rainy Sunday, and I was sitting in bed. Uh, now I'm not going to get up. I'm just going to just need to to carry on to carry on reading the book. And you really, you know, so congratulations. You really, really, you know, just as you're getting towards the end. It, you know, it could be either way. It's a, it, it was a knife edge. It was, are they, you know, are they going to stay together and are they not? And when Christmas was looming um, and Josh had gone, I sat in bed and I am, Katie will tell you that I'm not generally a very emotional woman. She says, oh, you're so English. She's so uh, English. She's so English. She, I had to teach Thank her you. the language of emojis. <laughs> I was like, mum, she like replies to me going, uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, mum, hello, send me a love heart just so you know you're not mad at me. Anyway, anyway, I sat there in bed and tears just Oh. were just streaming down my face. I was sobbing. I was sobbing. Oh. So, so oh. the ending was wonderful because I went, oh, okay, that's yay. Oh, I'm glad. You know, it's interesting because um, – I'm, I'm delighted to hear that because not that I want to make people cry, but it means that you felt something, which is I really – a few people have said to me that they thought Josh was going to die in the fires, and I was like, oh, you know, oh, I was no. never gonna, I was never going to kill Josh in the fires. No, like that was no, never going to happen. <laughs> but um, I, the fires played a different purpose, which was to kind of put priorities into focus, which I think they did for a lot of people. But um, I – I really wanted them to be together, but I also wanted them to get rid of a lot of the bullshit. So I wanted her, him to really face up to what had happened with them, yeah. to understand the truth about what had happened in the affair and um, and to support Lou's dream, you know, and, and vice versa. So yeah. I, uh, I hope that's where we got to. But I also, the reason I wrote the end end the way I did is where she says, I'll give it a year and another year and another year and another year is because... I, that's how I see long-term relationships. Yes. I think you have to keep buying in. You have to keep making yes. the decision. You don't just make that commitment once and then you can put your feet up. Yes. You have to keep choosing it. Yeah. So that was that was an important um, yeah. line. Yeah. Yes, and that, that's so. exactly what I was just yeah. about to say is I loved that it was right at the end because 
at the end of the day, it's not a be all or end all. All it is is it's a decision for that day to go, I'm choosing this today. And tomorrow I'm going to try and choose it again and then the next day and then the yeah. next day. And that's what, like, I feel like people put these societal expectations on oh, the big decision and, like, either way is going to be, like, life-changing. And for sure, like, decisions are life-changing, but all they are is decisions and it doesn't matter which way you go, it's not wrong or right. It's just that that's the decision you've made mm. and that's, like, I, I, so I want yeah, a bit, but. Mm. yeah. So I hoped I, I, I once I'd decided I wanted them to stay together. I, that was my get. My aim was to not make it too sickly sweet, and also yeah. for it to be believable. And I wanted there was a lot of love there. You know, there was a lot of love from, in their family. There's a lot of love between yeah. them. There was the, their little girls. There's like yeah, I think totally. they, still, they still had a lot of love, and that's the yeah. You know, obviously relationships. As I say, I'm not in any way sort of trying to put a message out that I think people should stay together if they're not feeling mm. it. But um, I think for, for this particular couple, there was still a lot to stay for. Exactly. Um, and I'm so, yeah, and we're so glad, so glad that they did. So, so glad that they did. Now, are you, are you, uh, are you, so you said that you were writing. So just quickly before we, before we finish, can you tell, you, can you tell us? Little bit about what you're, what you're writing next. I, to be honest, I can't because okay. mostly, well, no, but also just because I'm not that far into it yet. But okay. there is another book. There is another book coming. Right. So I am switching my attention now from from Lou and Josh, and the post-it notes will be back on the wall very <laughs> soon. Um, because uh, I mean, the reception to this book has been great. Like it's been so. Lo- yeah. The thing that I love the most about having written this book is the response I'm getting from people messaging me saying that oh I think my my computer just made a loud noise please ignore that um is the response I'm getting from people saying that they um you know it made them look at their life differently or it made their relationship differently or whatever it was or I I like that's just a writer's dream is to connect you know and that and that this has which makes very happy absolutely nailed it thank you so now I'm like oh well I better do that again then Stakes are a little bit higher, but um, yeah, the the next book. But I think that probably I'm always going to be writing about women, and I'm always going to be. I mean, this book obviously isn't only about women, but um, I'm always probably going to be writing about women, and I'm probably always going to be writing about um, some level of domesticity. I think I don't think I'm about to write something set in outer space. Um, (laughs) It's probably not my oeuvre. Like other people can have that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So. um, I think that it's probably going to, but, but hopefully, but it's a different story. So okay. I'm well, excited to get to started. Well, uh, thank you, thank Holly. You so much. And thank you for being authentic. Thank you for being oh. vulnerable. And thank you for illuminating ways in which we can all get better at communicating. And I think that's um, probably the biggest take home from your book. So Thank you very oh. much. Um, thank you yeah. so much. What a what a wonderful book club you've got going on here. Thank you. I love the I love the multi generational aspect. I love thank that. You. Yeah, thank you. yeah. I mean, it, we, we, yeah, we, 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 no, I mean, it's something. Sometimes we agree, and then sometimes I'm like, Mum, shut up! You have no idea. You can't say that, Mum. Stop. 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine there's a little bit of you can't say that. In any multi-generational conversation these days, there's a little bit of you can't say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no, it's, I think it's it's great because it, you're going to see a lot, you see a lot of things the same way and a lot of things in different yeah. ways. So. And it's, and it's yeah, great. That, I mean, I think, I think sort of the thing that we, you know, you know that, um, that we have loved about the, the way the book club has, has, has grown and taken off this year, um, is, um, just how many how many people um, have are rediscovering reading? So whether they're reading alone, or whether they're reading with their friends, or whether they're reading with their mum, or you know, or, or, or friends overseas, it's it's you know, we get so many messages from people just um, saying, "Oh, look, I've had you know." I haven't read for 10 years. I haven't picked up the books mm. in the school, but I'm now starting to read. I'm now starting to read again. And that that's just wonderful, which is. I know. Uh, and I think so it's, a, it's a good, it's, it's a good year for books too, mm. right? It's not, it's not a good year for the world, but yeah. it's been, a, it's a good year for books in that I think that we, a lot of us have rediscovered the solace that you get yeah. from a great book, um, yeah. particularly and companion, fiction. And the companionship yeah. of reading with other people. Yeah, mm. so I think that that's, yeah. you're building community and that's always a positive. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it wouldn't be possible so, without awesome authors like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me and I can't wait to um, hear it um, and tell everyone about it when it comes out. Absolutely. And we look forward to talking to you again with your next book. <laughs> bye. Oh, yes. Thank bye. you. Have a great day. Bye. bye. Wow, everybody, what an awesome conversation with the author, Holly Wainwright. We are so grateful that we could have her come on the episode and unpack some of the deeper themes in the book. So thank you so, so, so much, Holly. It has been a delight to speak to you. So we're now at that time of the episode, everybody, where we are bringing up our next book. So what have we got? So our next book is called The Last Migration by Charlotte McConaughey. Um, Charlotte is a debut Australian author and it's a really interesting book um, that I'm sure you'll love. Um, it's basic, the basic story is a young woman, Franny Stone, makes an epic journey from Ireland to all the way down to Antarctica, trying to follow the path of the last flock of Arctic terns left in the world. Is she, she does it out of love? Is she running away or is she running towards something? You'll have to find out. It sounds amazing and sounds like a really good book that uh, might discuss some climate change. Absolutely, issues. absolutely. Yeah. Amazing, everybody. So, Thank you so much for listening. As always, it is such a pleasure to have you read along with us and to listen to all of our episodes. We hope you enjoy the next book. Happy reading. Happy reading. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at bothsides.bookclub. We'll see you soon.